But uh, I'm going to read one scripture, and we're going to read a few more scriptures uh, during the, the message. But just one simple scripture, if you want to stand for the reading of the word. It's in Proverbs. And I, I did this as a favor to you today because, uh, you know, there's going to be a little bit more scripture later. And sometimes you guys don't like to stand that long. And so I figured I'd let you stand for the short scripture, and then you could sit for the long one. Now, there's a trade-off. If you go to sleep on me, Josh, I'm going to go back there and throat punch some of you all. And, I, I you know... I've said that for years, for about 20 years, and some people get scared when I say that. Don't be scared. You know, there's something in life called humor. It's okay to laugh. It's okay, okay? It's okay to laugh. I still might throat punch you, but that's okay. Proverbs 14 and 12. Proverbs 14 and 12. The the trade-off is don't go to sleep. And please hang around at the end. I won't be long. But powerful things can happen at the end of a service if you let it. I've seen so many services where God... Where God's in the middle of doing something and people duck out. If you have to duck out, nobody's going to come whip you or anything. But if you stick around, you might just have your life changed, okay? I don't know. Maybe God has something at the end he wants you to be about. So Proverbs 14, 12, very simple scripture. And you guys have, uh, have heard it many times. There is a way, say way. way. Before each person that seems right, but in the end is death. There's a way that seemeth right to man, but at the end is what? Say way. You may be seated. There's a way. Say way. Say show me the way. You know, at night, I know many of you have done this. In the old days, I remember being in, in, in Holler in eastern Kentucky. Holler. I said Holler. And I know somebody will watch, I know this is streamed around the world, and somebody will watch that and say, what is he, they're going to need translation at the bottom of the screen. A hollow, but it's a holler, uh, where there were no street lights, and if you walked out that thing at night, you couldn't see your hand in front of your face. Uh, and particularly in eastern Kentucky, because you're between creek and mountain, there's the moonlight, don't it? They have to stream, They have to pop in moonlight in eastern Kentucky. You have to... They have to pipe, you have to pay a utility bill on moonlight and sunlight in eastern Kentucky, I promise you. But when it's dark, back in the old days, you'd have to have a flashlight to see, or you would literally trip and hurt yourself. Now, now we don't have flashlights. We have these things called, called uh, uh, enslaving devices that we carry around, and we push a button on them. And, and if there's a group of people, somebody will say, Push the light, right? And then they'll push the light, and then you can see a little bit so you don't fall. You see, that's that you're showing the way in the darkness. Sometimes it's so dark, you've got to have somebody show you the way. And so what God was, as I was thinking about refuge this week, and I was thinking about, about some things, I was thinking about King David, and, and refuge was off the chain, man. Refuge Monday night, it if you don't, if you if you have any kind of struggle or had struggle or know somebody with struggle that had struggle in their past or is going through something involving this pandemic, not 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 uh, not the, the not the one on TV, the real pandemic, the the opiate and meth and drug pandemic that's going on in this country and the addiction pandemic. If you know anybody in the real pandemic, you need to be at refuge because that thing was off the hook on Monday night, and it's going to get even better. But I was thinking about all this, and I was thinking about all the testimonies, and we're just scratching the surface. 
in refuge. And I was, Holy Spirit started having me think about this idea that there's a whole, there's a whole lot of people out there that just don't know the way. And, and I'm not talking about just addiction because, you know, I don't know what percentage of this room is addicted or what percentage of this room has been addicted or what percentage of this room has been incarcerated. I will say 100% of this room has been affected by addiction, but it's more than addiction. I, I've counseled Christians for years and you've counseled Christians for decades more. And I will tell you this, there's a common problem where Christians will come to us and they just feel stuck stuck so don't think I'm just preaching uh, on addiction I think addiction is one way we can be stuck it's one way we can be lost but we can go to church every Sunday we can quote John 3.16 we can pray before we eat we can be good people who vote the right way and don't curse and don't go to bad movies and dress real nice and we can still be stuck and paralyzed and not know which way to go have you ever felt stuck before? Have you ever felt like, I don't know how to get past this situation. I don't know how to get past this problem. I don't know how to get out of this situation, this job, this emotional state, or even just my walk with Jesus. I, I, came, to, I came to Jesus and I was passionate and I was going to change the world. Here I am, God send me. Here I am, you know, Isaiah send me. Here I am, God send me. Here I am. And I'm excited and I'm pumped up. And then I get to this point where I feel stuck. Like, where do I go from here? Okay, I was excited six weeks ago. And, and man, I'm, we're going to change the world. But wh what do I do? <laughs> what do I do now? A lot of planning. But where do I go now? And, and so I was thinking about this concept. Uh, and we're going to get right into the word here in just a second about being stuck and showing me the way. And I started thinking about 9-11. I started thinking about John F. Kennedy. Because those are two of the biggest moments in, in, in history of our lifetime. Now, most people in this room, there's a lot of people in the room that do remember where you were when John F. Kennedy was shot. My parents do. But a lot of people don't. But there's more people in the room that remember where you were when the towers fell, 9-11. But those are two big events in history. But John F. Kennedy had a son who died tragically, John F. Kennedy Jr. Anybody ever heard him? And he was a good-looking guy. He was a famous guy. And he just flew his plane off Cape Cod one night. And he literally died because he flew his plane straight in the ocean. His plane did not fail. There was no mechanical failure. There's something happened called, called pilot vertigo or, or positional pilot vertigo. And what that is, when it gets so dark at night, if you're not really good on your screen... You know, good pilots, they can, they can read the things. Hopefully, when you get over on Tri-Cities and you fly somewhere, hopefully that pilot can read his... But John F. Kennedy was a young pilot. And, and he, he flew for fun. He was a, he was a, 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 a you know, a, 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 you know what he was. He was a successful guy. He was a good-looking guy. And he liked to fly his plane. He liked to go to the beach. He liked, but he wasn't a great pilot. And so he got up there and he didn't know how to read... His navigation. He did not know how to read his navigational. See, his plane was equipped with navigational devices that would help him when, his, when he couldn't see with his real eyes. But he didn't know how to read those. And so that night when it clouded up and there was no stars and no moon, he got confused. And he literally flew full speed straight down to his death and crashed on purpose. 
purpose, not on purpose trying to die. Thinking he was going another direction, but he was going in the wrong direction. He was going full speed ahead, but the direction he was headed led to death. And, and so then I started thinking about 9-11. And I remember when 9-11 first happened, I remember where I was. I was headed to court. I remember everything about that day. And you, you probably do too. They started shutting down gas stations. They started jacking up gas. I was driving that day. They turned off every radio station and went straight to news. I don't care what you were listening to. It was a wild time. And, and a lot of us thought, is this the end of the world? <laughs> At first. But I want to talk about that tower for just a second. Inside that tower, before it fell, there were some people that got out. Did you know that? You remember how many planes hit the Twin Towers? And they fell after the second, if I'm not mistaken. Is that correct? So between the first and the second, there was a time period where some people got out. There's a time period where some people got out. But let me tell you, there's a problem in that building. Number one, the power went out. And when the power went out, the lights went out. And then there was smoke in the building. And it got dark. And then the elevator shut down. And so what happened is, there was only one way. There was probably more than one way because there's probably more sets of steps than one. But the steps or stairs became the only way out of the building. Now, the people on the lower floors, a higher percentage of them got out because they had a shorter distance to get out. People way up high, they were a long way from the exit. And it was a more treacherous way. And so what happened was, some of the people, you know, some people when they got out probably just got home. I'm getting out of here. <laughs> I'm going to check on myself. But there was a lot of people who stayed and they became the way to show the others the way out. Because when the lights went out and it got dark, people couldn't even find the staircases. People that got confused what's up and down and what's left and right. You know, it, it seems easy, but if you turned every single light, it was pitch black out here right now. If you weren't here a lot, you could get confused getting out. And so they didn't know, a lot of them didn't know the way out. I mean, they, 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 they'd taken elevators, they'd been in that building, but when it went dark, to have to crawl in the darkness and find the way. Thankfully, there were some people who, by, who stuck around and they did something amazing. Number one, they made a human, they made a human chain, hand to hand, up those stairs. They made a human chain, hand to hand, up those stairs. And then the second thing they did, the second thing they did is they used it. So they used number one, they used touch. They used touch because the hand to hand, they made contact and they would literally, people would grab the hand of that person and grab the hand. It was like a human ladder and they would go through and they would find their way out. Second thing they would do, they used their voice. This way, this way. So the ones that weren't close enough to grab a hand could hear. I think it's coming from over there. I think it's coming from over there. And some people found the way out. Now, sadly, a second plane hit. 
And many people didn't find the way out. But thank God for the ones who cared enough to stay around and show the way for those in danger. (laughs) I'm going to tell you a secret. Jesus didn't call you to be saved. He called you to help save others. And we're and we're going we're getting to scripture and we're getting to a lot of scripture, but you know I grew up. I told you I'm older than most people in this room, and I know I know you can't believe that I'm so young and healthy. I'm older than most people in this room. You want to bet? Let's count. <laughs> oh, I know there's older of you. But percentage-wise, I'm, I'm, I'm on the upper end of the, of the echelon. I'm, I'm an age when I was a young man, I would have thought would have been an old man. <laughs> now it don't seem so old. I grew up in a time and I was taught, and not, not by parents necessarily. I'm not bad-mouthing. My, my parents are amazing. You all know that. You guys hang around with them all the time. I, got, I am so blessed. And honestly, that, that's unfair because I feel like when the, when, you know, everybody gets a situation where the plane crashes into your building. But, you know, I was blessed to be on a lower floor, to be quite honest with you. Um, but I grew up in a world where everything was taught to be black and white. And I don't, I don't mean skin color and all that stuff because I didn't grow up in that kind of home. I grew up in a home where no, that didn't matter. But I did grow up in a home where everything was one way or the other. And it was kind of taught or thought in general that there are two types of people. There's good people that want to do good and there's bad people that want to do bad. And they just want to be in that situation. (laughs) And I still hear that sometimes. I go to prisons and people say, oh, they're there because they want to be. And then you go to the bridge. Those people are homeless because they want to be. And, and, and you go, you go to, the, to the addiction ward and, and, and the rehab. And, oh, they're there because they want to be. And, and that's, that's how I grew up thinking. And, and you're taught that as a little boy. That there's certain people who just want bad stuff for their life. They want it. And other people want to be good guys. Good boys and girls. And there's a problem with that. Yes, you, you're pretty good. In a minute, okay? I've got, to, I've got to keep preaching. I'm in the middle of something. I'm in a honey, I'm in a honey pot, okay? I'm in a honey pot. But I will, let, I will let you testify in a minute, okay? I will, I promise. So, the problem is when you start spending time with people who are hurting and broken, whether it's depression, whether it's anxiety, whether it's addiction, whether it's hurt, whether it's Stagnation, whether it's gossip, whether it's pride, people come to you and they're hurting. You realize that none of those people want to be there. (laughs) And they all tell you, I just want a way out. But that doesn't jive with how I grew up. 
I thought they wanted to do drugs all night and about die and get resuscitated in Narcan about six times a night and took to the ER and lose their home and lose their child. I thought they wanted all that. But they don't. Sometimes people lose the way. And they not, might have heard of Jesus. And I'm not taking accountability out because if we take accountability out, we take out the ability to change. Everybody's always 100% accountable. But sometimes people don't know the way out. And they need some people to start linking hands, to link hands, to link hands. Link some hands. Link, go link hands. They need some people. Link hands. Gerald, get Gerald. Get some. Go back, go back, go back, go back. Start linking hands. Somebody move. You got to move. Somebody got to move and link hands. Get a chain all the way to the back. Get a chain all the way. Get up if you got to get up. Regan, get up. Wake up. Come here. Come here. Come here. Somebody come here. I need hands. Grab her hand. You don't even have to grab my hand. Just grab her hand. Grab her hand. Sorry. Well, you show up here, you get used. Grab, grab somebody's hand. Okay. Now wait. Because there's people back here that don't know the way out. And all of a sudden, they're going to start grabbing. And you all going to start saying, come here. Come here. No, no, say it. Help me out. I don't know where to go. Thank you. There's people out there that don't. You can be seated. You guys are preaching with me. Thank you. I know when I start screaming, you guys start saying, What does he want? What does he want? I know, I know, I know. We've got to show people the way. We are called to be a light to the world, a path in the darkness. We are called to show those that don't know the way that there is a way. Hallelujah. All right, now I need to read some scripture. You with me? All right, I want to talk. I'm going to read a little bit of famous scripture about a story. And you all have always called it one thing. We're going to call it something different today. We're going to read a, a scripture about the most powerful army that didn't know they were powerful. Okay? So this is what this story is about. It's about a powerful army that lost their, because of fear they lost their way. The army who lost their way. Sometimes an army loses its way. Now you guys know this story is David and Goliath. But I'm not really going to preach about David or Goliath. I just want to talk a minute about the army that lost its way. The army that forgot how to fight. The army that forgot who they were. The army that forgot how powerful they were. So I'm going to read in 1 Samuel 17. You don't have to stand for this, but I want you to listen. Follow along if you want to, okay? Are you with me? All right, 1 Samuel 17. Here we go. 
The Philistines now mustered their army for battle and they camped between Soko and Judah and Ezekiah at Ephedamon. Saul countered by gathering the Israelite troops near the valley of Elah. So the Philistines and Israelites faced each other on opposite hills with a valley in between them. Two great armies. One was the greatest army in the world. It was the army of Jesus, of, not Jesus, of, of, of God. The army of Yahweh. The Israelite army. They were the most powerful army on earth. And they stood there with a valley in between another army. Now listen to this. Then Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, came out of the Philistine ranks to face the forces of Israel. He was over nine feet tall. He wore a bronze helmet and his bronze coat of mail weighed 125 pounds. He also wore a bronze leg armor and he carried a bronze javelin on his shoulder. The shaft of his spear was as heavy and thick as the weaver's beam, tipped with an iron spearhead that weighed 15 pounds. His armor bearer walked ahead of him carrying a shield. Goliath stood and shouted and taunts to the Israelites, Why are you all not coming out to fight? He called. I am the Philistine champion, but you are only servants of Saul. Choose one man to come down here and fight me. And if he kills me, we will be your slaves. But if I kill him, you will, not be, our, you will be our slaves. I defy the armies of Israel today. Send me a man who will fight me. Send me. God's looking for somebody to fight this thing. Well, I just believe I'm supposed to be a good person, never do anything wrong. What are you doing right? <laughs> what does that change the world one bit? Be a Peter. Mess up, but win the battle. Amen. Go out there and fight. So, he says, send me a man who will fight me. When Saul and the Israelites heard this, they were terrified and deeply shaken. You ever been shaken? You ever been scared? Now, David was the son of a man named Jesse, an Ephrathite from Bethlehem in the land of Judah. Jesse was an old man. At the time, he had eight sons. Eliab, Agnabadab, and Shemaiah had already joined Saul's army to fight the Philistines. David was the youngest son. David's three oldest brothers stayed with Saul's army, but David went back and forth so he could help his father with the sheep in Bethlehem. Now listen to this. For 40 days, 40 days. How old are you, Roman? How many days was Jesus in the wilderness? How many years were the Israelites in the desert? For 40 days, these people got taunted. 40 days, day and night. They, uh, uh, let me read it. For 40 days, every morning and evening, the Philistine champions strutted. Strutted. Y'all thought Ric Flair invented the strut. That's in the Bible. They strutted in front of the Israelite army. Let me stop right there for just a minute. Set the, set the, set the stage. Two great armies. The Israelite army is the greatest army in the world. One man, one giant. He's a big guy. But we're talking about thousands of people. We're talking about thousands of soldiers against thousands of soldiers. I hate to tell you, but Goliath should not have changed that fight. 
You gotta get a hold of this. Because the biggest Goliath is 50 men are gonna take him out every time. In fact, 10 men are probably gonna take him out every time. But for some reason, for 40 days a night, the greatest army in the world, they got up, they put on their armor, they got ready. We're gonna get him. We're gonna get him. We're gonna get him. Go. Oh, three, one, two, three, go. Oh, yo. You know, right? Y'all watch football games? They probably broke it down. One, two, three, five. You know, they were pumped up. They would get out and get ready to fight. And when Goliath walked out and strutted, fear stopped them from doing what they were trained to do. They were trained and equipped for this moment. This is the greatest army in the world. They had trained for years to fight a war. They were called, they were chosen, they were qualified. They had everything at their disposal. They had everything they needed to win. They had God on their sides. They had the weapons of warfare. They had training, they had numbers, they had organization, but they were scared to move. What if I told you that the greatest thing that's stopping you and me from the next level of our life is fear? And what if I also told you that you are equipped already to do everything to get by that? That God has given you everything necessary for you to be victorious. Well, for one thing, he came. <laughs> he lived a perfect life. He showed us the way. He died on a cross. He defeated death, hell, and the grave. He got up. He got out of the dirt. He ascended to the Father. He sits at the right hand of the Father. He sent Holy Spirit to guide us and lead us. He left his word. The word is true. In the beginning was the word. The word was God. The word was with God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. He is the word. He is the way. And he has equipped you and I. He has equipped you for He said, I'll never put more on you than you can handle. He has equipped you to win the battle you're facing. You've got all the tools. You have every tool necessary to win this fight. Whatever your fight is. If you're stuck, if you're stagnant, if you're depressed, you have everything in your power to win but we don't move because we're scared what are we scared of what are we so scared of failure messing up looking silly standing out or maybe people have told us we can't do it so long we believe them Maybe we've forgotten who we are. Maybe we forgot the way. <laughs> or maybe we think the way's not for us, but for somebody else. <laughs> so David, this boy, he comes and I'm not even gonna read that scripture. Because <laughs> I'll talk about it just a second. T- you know what happened. <sighs> he comes and shows up and brings some bread and cheese to his brothers and I'm going to skip on to verse 24. It says is this. Once again, David is now on the scene and Goliath starts out again and it says, as soon as the Israelite army saw him, meaning Goliath, they began to run away in fright. 
Have you seen the giant? They told David. There's voices in your head. Have you seen that giant? <laughs> haven't, you, haven't you seen what I'm up against? <laughs> haven't you seen this guy? I mean, you don't get my problems, Joyce. I mean, if you've seen my problems, have you seen the giant? And they ran. Voices. David's own brother said, You're just a boy, get out of here. You'd think somebody's brother or sister would cheer him on. You'd think you'd have people in your life to get on Facebook and cheer you on when you're trying to do better. Then why is it every time you try to do better, people get in your ear and say, You can't do that? Have you seen this giant? You don't want to do that. <laughs> you can't do that. So David shows up, and they all run. David said, I'll fight him, and they didn't even want to let David fight him. At this point, Saul's so desperate, saying, they're running. I'll try it. And David didn't try to fight him in Saul's armor. David only knew one way to fight. It was the way that God showed him how to fight. It was the time he had spent one-on-one with God in the fields watching his father's sheep. The problem is, sometimes in life, we don't want to spend this quiet times in the fields taking care of the private battles and we want to come in here and we want to see people who have jumping around we want to put on their armor and go fight our giants but you've got to spend some time killing some lions and bears in the fields before you can take on Goliath that's why these small little victories you know the devil tells people I hate that Somebody be, be, you know, do good for a day or whatever, you know. And we're bad just to write them off and say, well, that ain't good enough. You should come back and see me in a month, a year. Oh, but that's a lion. You took down a lion. You took down a lion. <laughs> and you take enough lions down and all of a sudden you'll look alive right in the eye. And you ain't going to flinch because you ain't scared no more. <laughs> you... So you know the story. David got the rotten stones and he got his sling and he went out there and Goliath taunted him and talked smack. We're going to see Nikita next week. You watch that wrestling, they talk a lot of smack, don't they? Woo! They talk smack. And Goliath was talking smack and David was just relying on his God. David had his staff and it hit, mm, I can't preach that today, but that staff had Every time David killed a lion or a bear in that field, he notched a notch in his staff. And as he was one, you got to get this. You got to get this. They say, why did he even take his staff? Is he got a limp? No, because every step he was filling every nodule in there, every groove, remembering that God took out a lion, God took out a bear. <laughs> he got that sling. And Goliath mocked him for his weapon. There's a world out there that will mock you. Go to church? Ha, ha, ha. Yeah, that doesn't work. Ha, ha, ha. Read the Bible? Ha, ha, ha. You need this. You need that. You need this degree. You need that degree. You need to realize what's addicted. Oh, I'm all this stuff. They made fun of his weapon. But David's right in the head. Giant goes down. 
giant goes down, but giant don't die. He just knocked him down. Listen, don't ever stop and be satisfied when you knock down a giant. He picked up a sword that was bigger than him. It was so big. And he went, and he chopped that sucker's head. Some of you all need to be chopping some heads off. This is what I want you to hear. I told you I'm not, re- I'm not preaching David and Goliath today. I'm preaching the army that lost its way. So I want to read from 1 Samuel 17 and 50. Four verses. David triumphed over the Philistine with only a sling and a stone. For he had no sword. Then David ran over and pulled Goliath's sword from the sheath. David used the sword to kill him and cut off his head. Some of y'all been knocking out giants. That's good. Hallelujah. A knocked out giants better than a live giant. But some of you know, know what it's like to walk over and pick up that sucker's head and hold it up. You need to know the weight of a de- You need to know the weight of a giant's head in your hand sometimes. <laughs> so David chopped his head off. Sorry, this is real stuff. When the Philistines saw their champion was dead, listen to this. This is what I want you to hear. When the Philistines, this great army, saw that Goliath was dead, (laughs) they turned and ran. Some of us in this room, we've been chased our whole dang lives. It's time we put them suckers on the run. (laughs) It's time we chase that, chase that, right? And so, listen to this. Then the men of Israel and Judah gave a great shout of triumph, and they rushed after the Philistines, Chasing them as far as Gath and the gates of Ekron. The bodies of the dead and wounded Philistines were strewn all along the road from Sharam as far as Gath and Ekron. Then the Israelite returned and they plundered and they desert the deserted Philistine camp. And David took the Philistine's head to Jerusalem and he stored his army armor in his own tent. Now here's what I want you to pay attention to. All that happened was David killed one big soldier. That's the only thing changed. But all of a sudden, this this army that was scared to fight, they went and whooped him like nobody had been whooped before. You know what that tells me? They could have whooped him anyway. Do you get that? could have whooped them anyway they didn't need David to whoop them Goliath's one man there's thousands of them he ain't gonna make they skunked them they killed every one of them they ran them off the mountain out of the valley they never needed David to win the battle they needed David to believe they could win the battle that moment 
they went and did what they were trained to do and called to do and made to do. You know what you've been made to do? Win, 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 win. Problem is we're scared, scared, scared. And sometimes we need a David to show us who we are, to remind us that we were made for this moment. To remind us that we don't just get dressed up to play soldier and run when the giant comes out. That we were made to chop off heads. (laughs) David showed some people the way. And you know what? We're called, those of us that know the way, we're called to show the way. Sometimes we all need some Davids because we get stuck. And I don't mean just stuck in drugs. That can be a problem. We can get stuck in life. Thank you, Lakin or whoever. You can get stuck in your Christian faith. You can get stuck in your job. You can get stuck in your life. And we need people. You know why? And I know when we elevate people, you know, David wasn't perfect. A lot of people put a lot of faith in David. David let him down a few times, right? (laughs) Y'all ever heard of Bathsheba? It worked out, but it was hard. David wasn't perfect, and you're not perfect, and I'm not perfect. (laughs) But sometimes we get a chance to see a few Davids in our midst. And when we see these people who have overcome, the point is not to say they're superheroes because they're not superheroes. The point is to give you the motivation to know that if Shane can do it, I can do it. Stand right there. Come here. You didn't even wait on me. Why don't you get up here? You can come. You know the way? Come here, preacher. Come here, Dwayne. Will, come here. Are you doing the camera? You have to do the camera. No, you can't help. If you do the camera, I need Will. I'm down to my third string piano player. Thank God for third string sometimes. Switch places. Yeah, come here, Holly. Spread out. You all act like the children's church. You're scared of something. Spread out. These people aren't perfect. But I heard on a refuge service, I heard a young man who was the first time I believe being in something like that with us stand up and say, I remember this guy and this guy when they was rough dudes. And if, this is what he said. And he literally said this. And the fact that they're here doing this good, it gives me hope, y'all. And I'm glad I came. That's what he said. Hold hands. Hold hands. Hold, get a hold of hers too. His too. I don't care. Hold hands. Hold hands. Hold hands. 
You see what that is? To make it a chain. I don't know the way, but I'm finding it up here. These folks aren't perfect. But they got stories. You guys aren't perfect, but you guys got stories and testimonies. And you guys, y'all coming next. Y'all coming next. You guys coming next. Come on! There's a problem. I'm going to get ready to sit down in just a second. Just stay there because... I want people, there's people out there that are terrified right now. And they don't even know they're terrified, but they're stuck. They don't know the way. <laughs> but if these rascals can get through, you can get through, and I can get through. <laughs> Here's the problem. The devil don't want them to talk. And they don't want you to see them right now. They don't want you to see them. No, 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 no. Oh, I don't like him. I don't like her. Oh, no, I heard about this. I heard that. Bah, 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 bah. Oh, that preacher don't always talk about. Bah, 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 bah. Oh, don't, 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 don't look. Don't look. Don't look. Don't look. Don't look. Don't look at them. That's what the devil's saying right now. They're not perfect. They did bad stuff. I know they've done bad. I've heard. Oh, just last week I heard they said. Nah, 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 nah. Don't look at them. The devil don't want you to look at him because he don't want you to believe you can get out of this thing. <sighs> you know why the devil makes so many people jealous of these cats? Because he don't want you to listen to their testimony. He wants you to... <sighs> you know why the devil attacks them so hard sometimes? Because he wants them to fail. <sighs> And I'm going to tell you something secret. We blame the devil for everything. That old slew foot, whatever you call him, that old, that old Lucifer, Satan, the devil made me do it. You got people in your own life. They don't want you to get out. Hear me. They're miserable people. They don't know the way out either. And you know what scares them? You're going to leave them behind. And they're going to be miserable and alone. You better change who you're with. Because who you're with will determine where you're going. You better not let them drag you back. Because they will. If you let them. They'll get in your ear. And they'll tell you. It's junk. You can't do it. And it's not that they're the world's worst person. They're miserable. What if you show them the way? To be their light. Each one of you are called for such a time as this. Each one of you are called for such a time as this. Thank you all. You may be seated. And thank you, Will. I'll give you, I'll give you, I'll give you a piece of advice. 
run with giant killers. <laughs> hang out with lion chasers. Because you hang out with miserable people, you'll be miserable 100% of the time. Lion chasers will challenge you. They'll irritate you to no end sometimes. Because sometimes you just want to be miserable for a minute. And the lion chaser says, I don't want to hear it. Get up. Go do it. Do what you're called to do. We're almost finished. We'll be finished at 1230 something. Promise. Lion chasers make you mad. They bug you. They love you too much to let you stay in this junk you're sitting in. They love you when you don't love you. And they challenge you. Almost finished. There was a man named Roger Bannister, 1954. There was something thought impossible. No man had ever done it. It was run a four-minute mile. Nobody had ever humanly ran a four-minute mile. That's average of 15 miles an hour for a mile. Nobody had ever run that before. In 1954, Roger Bannister broke that mark first time. Something crazy happened. Within a year, 20-some people broke that mark. Since then, 1,663 people have broke that mark. And it's not even a big deal. You give me a few months, I could probably do it. Why? I mean, for human history, since the Greeks, since the Romans, they've been running. Nobody had run a four-minute mile for thousands of years. One cat runs it, now all of a sudden anybody can run it. Why? They had to know it was possible. They had to know it could be done. And once they knew it could be done, they went out and did it. So you need some Davids in your life. But they're not superheroes. They're just regular people who found the way. And now they're just yelling at you, come here. And they're holding hand on the hand and trying to get you out because as awesome as these people are, my sister is not the way, but she knows the way. And the way is named Jesus. John 14, 6, I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. So if you're in this room and you say, I don't know the way out of my problem. I don't know the way out of my problem. The word of God is true and it says Jesus is the way. And you say, preacher, I've heard so many preachers say every kind of thing. They hate and they make fun of me and they tell me I'm not welcome and they have no mercy and they have no grace and Christian people who just seem like to hate everybody and you're sitting back there and you're saying I don't know the truth anymore Jesus Christ is the truth the way the truth you're in this room and you say it feels like I've lost my life I don't have a life I don't feel like I have a life anymore I don't know what life is anymore my life is dark my life is depressed my life is I don't know what my I don't know what my life Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. His name is Jesus. There's no song because he lives. I can face tomorrow. Did you know it?
Because he lives Tomorrow Because he lives Fears are gone The future And now my just because he gave me the microphone. Come on, you know that old song. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all my fear is gone. Because I know, oh, who holds the future. And my life is worth the living just because. Amen. Give yourself a hand. These guys I brought up here, they've defeated cancer. They've defeated addiction. They've defeated all sorts of problems. Jesus, Jesus did it. But I brought them up because you need to see the way. But as much as you need to see that cancer doesn't always take you out. Cancer doesn't always take you out. Addiction doesn't always take you out. As much as you need to see that, you need to understand this. That Jesus carried his cross and so can you. Jesus loved the unlovable and so can you. Jesus survived the temptation in the wilderness and so can you. Jesus forgave others and so can you. Jesus got people out of the dirt and so can you. Jesus cast out demons and so can you. Jesus walked on the water and so can you. Jesus spoke to storms and so can you. And Jesus got out of the grave. And so can you. That's the way. That's the truth. And that's the life. So if you're in this room and it feels like a burning building and it's dark and there's smoke and it's confusing and you don't even know what's going on, I'm here to tell you that yes, your fear can keep you right where you are. And you can sit. There were people in that tower that wouldn't move. They were scared. They said, well, I'll just stay here. Wait for rescue. And we're done. I'm closing up. Sometimes we in our lives, we're that way. We sit here. I need a hero. I'm just looking for somebody to rescue me. I'm sitting here in my dysfunction and I'm waiting for somebody to rescue me. And meanwhile, out of the distance, I hear a few old people, a remnant of people up on a hill in Southwest coming this way, way, way. Grab my hand. Here's the way. His name is Jesus, Jesus. But I got friends sitting here with me and they say we should sit here. <laughs> All I've ever heard is I should sit here. I can't get out my, I can't get out. I need a hero. <laughs> And all the while, Jesus is saying, I'm the way. 
come this way. Walk this way. <laughs> Run this way. <laughs> if you're in this room and it feels like you're facing a giant or it feels like you're in a tower and all of our towers and all of our giants look different, you know. I mean, I think, you know what? who's got the worst giant in this room? I do because I got the mic. You all think you got the worst giant in the room. The devil, that's one of his lies. He tells people that, yeah, Jenny could do it or, or Roman or Shane or Dwayne or Heath or Val or whoever could do it. But they don't have it as hard as you guys. That's the devil. He's a liar. And so whatever your giant looks like, some people's giants to other people don't look that big. They're like, I'm just so frustrated with my job and, you know, my high-paying salary, and I'm so frustrated. And we look at him, we're like, shut up, please. But to that person, but to that person, they're froze, they're stuck. And it could keep them from purpose if they let it. So I'm, I tend to believe that we all have giants. And here's the cool thing. I'm, I'm going to tell you a surprise ending to this story. God killed that giant. He used David. All that army had to do once the giant fell was take the territory. God has killed your giant. You just may not realize it. He will. What's left for you to do is take the territory. Go forward. Take the way. Walk this way. Run this way. Because you know what's waiting for you at the end of the way? Life, purpose, joy, passion, belonging, victory. Victory is waiting. But there's a way that looks right to man. But that way ends in death. Thank you for being patient. I'm going to ask you not to move for just one second if you could bow your head all over the room. kept my word. It's 1234. <laughs> oh my goodness. How we stress over 10 minutes when people are dying. People are hurting. People are putting needles in their arms. People are pulling triggers. Oh, we got so much to worry about, don't we? And our kids, some of us don't know where our kids are right now. We didn't plan that, but that's Holy Spirit, every bit of that. That's Holy Spirit. Because the devil's telling you right now to not to listen to this junk. But Holy Spirit is yelling. This way. You say, I'm stuck and it don't seem to be working. Maybe we're going the wrong way. And maybe we need to turn around. 
and try another road. Just try it another way. And what if it don't, what if, what if I mess up? What if I fall a time or two? What if I skim my knee? What if I, well, what if? Get up, put some spit on it, pull your big boy panties up and get on down the road. There's a way. And that's the first secret to victory is realizing there is a way out. There is a way out. There is a way out. There is a way. Do you want it? I'm going to ask you in this room right now. Nobody's looking. Heads are bowed. This is between you and God. We're going to pray and we're going to be done. I want to know something right now. Is there anybody in this room that you feel stuck in your life for whatever reason and you know there's a way and you want to get out? You want a way out. You want a way. You want to find a way over this problem. You want to find a way out of this situation. You want to find a new way in your life. You need a new way. You need to find the way. If that's you, nobody's looking. I just want you to raise your hand with mine. I just want to know how to pray. If God's speaking, you put him up high. Yeah, that's right. Put him up high. Oh, God will use, God will use this moment if, if we'll let him. But the enemy doesn't want you. He wants you to be shy right now. He wants you to have a, sh- a shorthand. Shorthands of the devil. God wants you to be bold right now and say, you know what? I got a long arm. I want to stick up and say, I need to weigh out here. I need to weigh. This way! Mm, put them up, put them up, put them up. I'm facing a giant. I'm facing a battle. Whatever your battle looks like, I'm facing a problem. I'm facing a situation. I feel stuck right now, and I need to get through this thing. Put them up. Put them up. Oh, yeah, put them up. This way. I'm going to count to three. Listen to me. Don't put your arms down. When I hit three, I want everybody in this room to stand. And if you got your hand up, and even if you don't have your hand up, you know that God is calling you right now. And he's saying, this way. When I count to three, everybody's going to stand. And if you're in this room right now and God is calling you down this road, I want you to be bold and I want you to run or walk or crawl or whatever you got to do to get to the front of this room. And we're going to pray together. (laughs) We're going to get out of this thing together. Jesus is the way. And we're doing this together. On the count of three, hands up high. Keep them up. They're all over the room. Don't you listen to the devil. Misery loves company, but he's a liar. One. When I get to this next number, I want you to move like your life depends on it. Because it does. One, two, three. Move. Move. This way. This way.